Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23, 24. This is Jesus talking. He said to them, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. Lord, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. You look at all of us, but you see me differently. I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher. And Lord, there's a greater and a more strict judgment on me than anybody in this building today. And I know that. I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you. We uh, are on reality number six today. Um, our uh, series is called Reset, and uh, the Reset series is based off of Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. I, I, I hear feedback from you, and uh, I, I'm grateful that this is blessing you the way that it is. It's certainly, this is several times that I've been through it, and uh, I know that it continues to bless if I were beginning any ministry today within the church, starting a church, whatever, I would, uh, I would, I would make sure these seven realities are in the foundation of that ministry or that church. Uh, that they, they're, they're really incredible. Um, let's look at reality number one and revisit it. God is always at work around you. No matter how chaotic, how confusing it is, uh, this world, you're shaking your head. I know you are. I am. We are. You scream, I scream. We all scream for ice cream, right? Uh, and, but God is at work. God is always at work to accomplish his will, his way, and his purpose. Reality number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Reality number three, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. He gives you a special invitation. Reality number four, this is really uh, earth-shaking, especially to Baptists. God speaks by the Holy Spirit uh, through the Bible, prayer, circumstances in the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Reality number five, God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief. And that, that requires faith and action. Reality number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. And that's where we are today. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, it gives you the guidelines of discipleship. If any of you all are discipling a group, you need to take these verses down. You need to take these points down today and you need to use them as you disciple other people. Last Sunday, we had the crisis of belief. And uh, I want you to know that's very normal. I hope you got that last Sunday. Getting to a crisis of belief is very, very normal. It, it, it happens over and over and over again. It's not a bad thing. It really is a good thing. But it is a picture of what direction do I, which direction do I go. And it, it takes an adjustment. And, and, and you and I are going to latch on to, we get to a crisis of belief. 
and go, well, man, I'm there. I've been there. And if, if you're not there now, then you're going to be there. That's just the way the Christian life matures to where it's one crisis of belief after another. And we hang on to the crisis of belief. But the key is what I do after that tells me what I believe about God. When I get to that crisis of belief and I get to that crossroads, the way I respond to that tells me what either I do or I do not believe about God. That's the key. The key becomes the next step. And that's where we are today. Reality number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. It takes faith and faith always requires action. Do you remember what we had in James last Sunday? Faith without works is dead. Faith requires action. There's an adjustment and there is obedience, which we look at as being a kingdom response. So you may ask the question, uh, God will not ask me to make adjustments, will he? he? Over and over and over again. I, I, wanna, I want you to see something. We're, we're here, in, uh, even in our prayer today, of acceptance. I know many of you accepted Jesus as your Savior. You received him and surrendered to him a long time ago. But it doesn't hurt us to hold that empty bowl and realize and focus on the salvation that he's already given us. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt us at all to reflect on that in a daily way. And I'm gonna show you why that is very important here in just a moment. But you're, you're, you, I, I want you to look at the person of Jesus for a moment. For Jesus to do what he did required an adjustment from Jesus. I want you to see that. He left glory. This would be Philippians 2 if you ever want to read it. He left glory to come to this sin-sick world. He he left the the attending angels. I mean, he's heaven's best. And he he came to earth to become us incarnate. He came to us. I I want you to see, I want you to stop right now before you get to focusing on your adjustment, whether you want to do it or not. I just want you to know that the man who brought salvation to you adjusted his life to bring salvation to you. You need to see that. That needs to get to be a deep theology in your life. He, he, He took on poverty for you. He left the riches of glory and took on poverty for all of us. That's why when we pray that part of acceptance, I want you to reflect on that. I want you to think about that. That you're going, the Lord would require an adjustment from me? Uh, I've often tell you there's a lot of things that I love about Jesus. But one of the things I love about Jesus is he never asked me and you to do anything that he himself did not proceed in doing. Nothing. Not one thing. And the the picture of this is that there was an adjustment required of Jesus. Um, you, you You may get to thinking, well, he isn't, 
He's, he's not wanting to bring difficulty. For some reason, we think that adjusting our life to follow God means difficulty, like that God's mad at us. You know, that God's mad. I mean, I, I, I promise, I, I surrendered to the ministry of which I'm in today, but it was, uh, was kind of like this. <laughs> do, you, do you know, it was kind of a, uh, you know, I'm, and there was a time I'm like, Lord, what have I done? What have I done to you that you're calling me to be a preacher? Who wants to hang out with a preacher? You know, who wants to be around preachers today? And Lord, why? And that was a lie. It's not true, but it was a lie that I was believing. And he, he's not looking to bring you difficulty. That's not his intention. He's looking to use you to accomplish his ways, his purpose, his will. He's using you to be able to do that, even though it will contain difficulty. It will have it there. He came to give you freedom. We just sing about that. A life that bears fruit, um, a, a purposeful life. It has meaning. Does following the Lord cost you something? Give me a Tennessee walking horse nod, will you? Yes. Is it worth it? Every bit of it. But there is a cost of discipleship. There is a cost to be able to follow him. Uh, let me remind you, we get excited about Moses coming and leading his people out of slavery in Egypt. And, and we get excited about God with the plagues and what he's able to do. And you remember Pharaoh's people tried to emulate that and, and they, they could to a degree on, on some things. But you, before their freedom happened, I want, I want you to remember the story. And if you don't remember the story, go back and read it in the book of Exodus. In their freedom, there was severe difficulty before their freedom occurred. Their foremans and supervisors were whipped and beaten. They, they, were, they were told to increase their workload with less ingredients, building the bricks. You remember? They had to, they had to produce more with less. So there was great difficulty that was placed on them. But not only did they do this for their own generation, they did it for future generations. You, you're, I know you and I look at your grandkids and now Julie and I have granddaughters and I look at the life that they're going to be living and I can shake their head and I'm going, my, 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 what they're going to face. Look at your own children and you're going, my goodness, uh, what are they going to face? The greatest thing you can do for your children and grandchildren not right now is to live a faithful, obedient life before God. And let them see what that looks like. Even let them see what it cost to know that it's worth it. We, we don't only do it for ourselves and for the, the season of which we live. We do it for future generations. And that's exactly what they were doing. Many of us in this room... We look for a struggle-free, suffering-free, care-free, conviction-free, earthly ease and comfort. Everything's to be fun-driven, 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 over and over and over. It's called, and let me just tell you, let me speak. Uh, the scripture speaks against the seeking of pleasure. You just, if you, if you, you, you got to read it. You can't just read what you want. 
They're called hedonists, that everything is about their pleasure. Uh, and it is, if it's convenient, I'll do it. Uh, surely to goodness, he's not asking me to adjust anything in my life. We're looking for these type of lifestyles. And sometimes we'll look at God to give us these lifestyles. But these lifestyles that we see and that we crave are not lifestyles that are matched in the biblical story. They're not there. So here are the adjustments that you need to look at before we get to Luke 9. In your circumstances, there could be, there could be a change in your job, in your home. I mean, literally, your address or your finances. Um, I'm 62. I'm already asking questions about Medicare and retirement. That's coming around the corner. Hard for me to believe. But let me just ask you a question. Is your retirement about you? Or is your retirement have any idea about how you can freely serve the Lord in your retirement? Uh, when we look at disaster relief, which God seems to keep partnering us with that, it seems to be one of his invitations to us is to c continue to join disaster relief. And when I go to the trainings, not everybody is retired, but most of them have retired and they are using their retirement to serve in, in disaster situations. Most of them who go and set the stage and set the way are people who have committed their retirement or their retirement to serving people who are going through disasters in their life. And so they, they receive whatever they do, their pension or whatever it is. But it's not about them and their ease. It's about them using their retirement to serve the Lord even faithfully and even more faithfully. There are adjustments in your relationships, family, friends, business associates, and even your hangout group. There are adjustments in your thinking your prejudices will change. Methods uh, of the way that you think will change. Your potential, your past, your future. In your commitments, there'll be adjustment to family, church, job, plans, traditions. Many traditions. In your actions, there's adjustment to your prayer life, your giving, and your service. In your beliefs, there's adjustment in what you believe about God, his characters, his ways, and his love. Um, it goes from my way of thinking to his way of thinking. It goes from my plans to his plans. It goes from my way of doing things to his way of doing things. Listen to this one. It goes from my human values to what God values. I, I even recently brought up this in a, in a group teaching men this week. I brought it up twice to them, but um, you can remember when there was celebration about certain people uh, throughout the world who were executed, and uh, there was celebration in the streets, and you could go rah, 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 right? But Ezekiel, listen to this. It, it, this is where you've got to look at God's value, not yours. It says, it, it says in the Old Testament that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. I know you can have your own presupposition there, but God's word doesn't say he may not value that death the way that you did. 
We, there's got to be an adjustment on what comes up. In fact, I'm really proud of my son, Andrew. He, he brought that scripture to me and I'm really proud of him and grateful that he did. Do you see the adjustments that have to be made? In Luke 9.23, it gives us the three steps of discipleship. Three steps. They're all listed here. Then he said to them, if anyone wants to come with me, uh, he's, he, you can follow me. Uh, but the steps are, begin with he must deny himself. Step number two, take up his cross daily. Step number three, and follow me. Let's deal with deny self. You must deny yourself. This is more than a denial of things. It's more than a denial of things. It is, I am surrendering to the will of God and the teachings of Christ. I am, I am surrendering to that. Here, here's, a, here's a picture you may understand a little better. It's saying goodbye to what was. I'm saying goodbye to what was. And I, am, uh, I wanna show you how this happens. How does this happen? It happens by you taking up your cross and then the word is there daily. Can this mean literal death? It can. It can. <clears throat> Following the Lord, taking up your cross, because we know the cross is a place of execution, and in, in, in our case, with the Lord, it's sacrifice. But it becomes a place of execution. Is, is this more of a metaphor, uh, an illustration? Yes, it actually becomes both of these. Some cultures, some people cultures, called the cross the killing pole. They, they, would, they would identify it as the killing pole. Uh, it, it, it is how we die to self. We die to self. That's what's happening here. We take up our cross and it is representation that I am dying to myself. I, I am saying goodbye to what was. How am I doing that? With the cross. Both, both his cross and our cross. Uh, this won't be on the screen, but Luke 14, 27, Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. If the Lord tarries his coming and benefits you another day of grace, you, it's very likely you're gonna get up in the morning and begin having selfish thoughts, selfish actions, all those things, right? That can happen to all of us, right? That's why I'm integrating prayer for you, even the pace prayer. You need to start your day off with a way of not thinking about self. I think the pace prayer does that, especially the C part. I give up control. Because you're liable to wake up tomorrow and it's all gonna be thinking about you. That's why we have to die daily. Paul says, I die daily in Luke 14. Because it's in there. That me, myself, and I is in there uh, for everything to happen around us. Uh, I want you to look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul wrote this. And I no longer live, yes, that's right. but Christ lives in me. Right. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, which requires action. Do you see the parentheses there? It says, which requires action? Please tell me you do. All right, it's, it's, it, it's, it's kind of invisible, but it's in there, all right? Live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's, I'm dying daily. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I affirm by the pride in you that I have in Christ, Jesus our Lord, I die every day. I'm dying every day. Do you see why it's, it's, it's got to be a daily, daily, daily thing? It creeps in on us. Guys, listen, if you don't check it within a day, you're going to go three or four days, and that selfish trait is just going to, the roots are going to dig deeper. Dig deeper and dig deeper and dig deeper. Uh, it becomes important. That's when I'm teaching you in praying publicly how to go and pray privately. I'm teaching you the pace prayer, not because I think you're tired of the old one, even though you may be, and giving you a new one. This is a prayer that a, a, I think a great preacher gave to young preachers to remind us. I think, I think today you need to adjust your life for in the morning to start thinking the way God thinks and attempt to be able to do that. I think the pace prayer helps that, helps that occur. Uh, just so it's, it is about your day and looking at that. So the first thing is we deny ourselves. The second thing is we take up our cross and, and a lot of people don't know what that means. That means that's my cross. That's where I put myself daily to die to myself. I, I am, I'm, I'm crucified with him. And then the third way of discipleship is found in the last part. It says, and follow me be able to follow me. Um, it means go the same way. You're going exactly, it's kingdom life. It's, uh, it's kingdom life. You know, we're gonna be voting November the 8th. I'm not a preacher that tells you how to vote. I've never told my congregation how to vote for 36 years and I'll not start. You're adults. You're adults. You should be in the Word of God. You should be reading and studying about what's going on on your own and not just live your life in a hurry and then expect me to come and tell you how to be able to do things. You need to be going what's God's values and what's human's values. But I want to remind you of something. Everything we're seeking to be solved on this earth will not be solved on November the 8th. And it won't be solved with future presidents. It won't be solved with future elections of state uh, in representatives and Senate. It's not gonna happen that way. It's gonna happen exactly where I'm giving you in this verse today. When people start denying themselves, sacrificing themselves daily on the cross of Christ, which is my selfishness, power, greed, corruption, all those things, when I start dying to that, when I, then things are going to be able to change. And I follow him. I follow him. You know, we look at elections like, well, man, this one's going to do it. This midterm is going to do it. It's not going to do it. There may be some things that, that you favor that may happen, but guys, have you all already not seen? It's, it's like a ping pong t match. You know, it's boom and boom. It's like a tennis match, boom and boom. It's like a basketball game, down and back. It's like a football game, down and back. The UK's last night was mostly down, <laughs> right? 
it, it's, it, 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 it's back and forth. You know, one set of elections, you may rejoice and another set of elections, you may be mad and it just goes back and forth because the government is not the kingdom of God. It's not. That's, that's hard to say. Some of you may be mad at me for saying it. But the, but the kingdom of God is where we are. It happens. What you and I desire, his purpose and his ways, are going to come by me denying self, taking up my cross, and getting rid of what was. I'm, I'm crucifying what was. And I'm following him in the ways. Leon Morris, I was reading Leon Morris this week. And uh, he, he brought up something that I like because it, it, it's a really practical picture of life. And he said, we all know that the Romans used the cross as a way of execution. And uh, even, even with Jesus carrying his cross would have not been that, uh, that out of line in the tradition of being crucified. That uh, Roman soldiers could come into a village and find the accused and make him take his cross and carry his cross to the execution point and everybody in town knew that when he carried his cross it was a one-way journey that he wasn't coming back he wasn't coming back and he and leon morris took that picture of a reality that happened in the lives of people even their own villages in front of their own children and families and friends and everything he said when they carried that cross out, they knew that person was not coming back and it's a one-way journey. And here's the picture of me and you taking up our cross. And when I take up my cross and follow him, I'm saying to you in the world that the old Jeff is not coming back. And it's not a better Jeff, it's a new Jeff. But I, I'm not coming. So many of us will make decisions in a church or even in a service and we'll go really, we'll go right back to exactly the old lifestyle that we had. And then you're wondering why it doesn't work. It's because you haven't followed him. You haven't followed him. You may have made some mouth declaration, but you haven't surrendered to be able to follow him. For, for me and you to show the world we follow him, we take up our cross and we die daily because everything, the greed and the selfishness and the power and the lust and the anger and the hate and all those things can come creeping in. And you and I, we got to get up in the morning and we got to get, we got, I, I mean, I'm groggy. I don't know what world I'm in last night. I, last night I was deer and turkey hunting in my dreams all night long, you know? And, and uh, I, I get up and, you know, I'm going, where's the camo? <laughs> you know, I, these dreams seem so real. And I know it's foggy. I get it. I don't mean literally outside. I mean in your brain. And I, I know you got to have the cup of joe. I get it. But you got to get to thinking on his ways because our human ways, create, they creep in there. So when I take up my cross daily, I'm telling him and you that the, I'm, the old Jeff is gone. It's a one-way journey now. I am following, I am following him. Look at Luke 9, 24, the adjacent verse to verse 23. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Listen, if you don't get up in the mornings and start thinking about God's ways and God's values and his purposes and all 
all those things, then you're going to be thinking about your ways and your purposes. You're going to look to save your life. And he says, if you're looking to just save you, you're going to lose you. But he said, whoever loses his life, I die daily, Paul says. You got to make this adjustment. That's where we are today. Whoever loses his life because of me will save it. We'll say we've got to surrender it. We've got to give it up. I, uh, I uh, didn't always pay attention in church until the invitation a lot of times. And I, uh, I can remember this hymn. I guess the older I get, uh, I, I'll, I'll read hymns, but it's out of my childhood. And in doing this sermon, this hymn came to life for me. But um, it's, uh, the hymn is called, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. And I, I can remember pre- preachers giving the invitation but I paid more attention to the invitation of hymns like this in the invitation than I did about a, a preacher working the invitation. It, it's about adjustment. It's about following. I want you to listen to it. I'm not going to sing it either, by the way. Take up thy cross and follow me, I heard my master say. I gave my life to ransom thee, surrender you're all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. He drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know. And in that will, here's the adjustment, I now abide Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. The invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason, come. Church, let's stand. Counselors, would you find your spot? People, you come.